Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. Welcome back to Eye on the Hawks. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here with a special 24, 30-hour-later reaction edition to news that I think everybody been waiting for out of West Michigan. Hayden Large is back in 2024. <laughs> the pride of Hudsonville, great fullback. Oh, and Tim Lester, who used to coach the football team in Kalamazoo. He's also the new offensive coordinator, according to reports. So we're going to react to that. It was really cool. I, so you got to talk to Hayden real quick. I, I got to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So essentially, yeah, I just had a very short conversation with like, uh, we haven't heard yet. Are you coming back for sure next year? And he was like, yep, I'm going to be there. All right, cool. Most low-key, <laughs> like, like that works. We knew he had two years, but there we go. talked to him at? Uh, the app formerly known as Twitter. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> the application that we call online, X. Online, online, online. <laughs> um, yeah, so awesome to hear about Hayden, but of course we're here to talk about Tim and a guy who, let's face it, two weeks ago a lot of Iowa fans probably did not know existed, <laughs> along with Kevin <laughs> Johns and, and many other names that might have been out here. Uh, thanks to Andy Pepper from our sister station, WWMT, not the WMT that's right next door, WWMT, Channel 3 in Kalamazoo. Uh, Andy's a great guy. He's been covering the, the Broncos in a lot of different facets for a long, long time, uh, help, helping us get some video of Tim Lester's time there with just the second ever bowl win, the uh, quick lane bowl win, I believe, from 2021 there. Uh, just, again, the second ever bowl win for Western Michigan football. Uh, if you aren't seeing this and you're listening to the audio side, of course, uh, Iowa's News Now YouTube channel, you can see everything that we're going to be showing here. We're going to look at uh, one of Coach Lester's uh, coach tube pages, uh, like a big walkthrough of RPOs and his philosophies and his approaches to coaching that. We'll take a look at that in a little bit. But let's start with your initial reactions, guys. Uh, Mike, ironically enough, you were in the 616. <laughs> you were in West Michigan uh, as this news was breaking. Oh, wow. But what were your... Uh, your first reactions, hearing this name and the weak kind of buildup of Kevin Johns is getting breakfast with Kirk in Iowa City and then Tim Lester's name comes up. What, what's your initial reaction having 24 hours or so to, to digest the hire? Yeah, so I think we all started seeing Tim Lester's name and Kevin Johns around the same time on Twitter. I think people, insiders were posting it on, on you know social medias in the boards and, and whatnot. Um, and I'm not going to be honest, I initially, after those two, after looking into their, briefly looking into their backgrounds, I preferred John's just because he has that power five, more power five history than, than Lester. But after doing a deep dive and kind of looking what kind of offense he run, I, I don't hate the hire and I'm willing to, you know, let's see how it goes. Um, I think the one interesting aspect is is after we're, you, we we found and we have a text group and we were looking at this uh, coach two page that was shown a little bit of him going over his RPO offense. Like, will Iowa implement that, or will or will Kirk kind of say, okay, here's our offense and this is how you should run it? And that will be an interesting thing that we can see in spring practice and then moving forward into next year because I I really like the idea of moving the offense to a simpler. All right, let's read that person. That person goes here. The ball goes there. Or if this person comes up or stays back, we're just going to run down their throat. They have enough running backs to to put a different, yeah. to, to to build a lot of cool stuff. So I just am interested to see what kind of approach they take and if Kirk has really given him the reins. Uh, I would be curious to hear if you guys think that, like, based on what you saw out of that, 
do you think that Cade McNamara is a good fit for that style? I mean, when Cade came here, obviously he was under a different offensive coordinator. Do you think that Cade fits that style well? For all the videos that I've seen, it's less of a, the quarterback runs. It's more of a hand the ball off or throw it. Yeah. So in that instance, I think he could probably, he, he's smart enough to run it. Um, I, I, I don't want to get conf people confused with, like if you have a, a Lamar Jackson or, or a, a Josh Allen in RPO, could be this guy runs it, I could run it or throw it. It seemed more to me like, and he incorporated tight ends more of the, the brief amount of videos that I've seen, which, you know, I was, I was told by a good source in Kalamazoo that Tim Lester, quote, loves a pass catching tight end. Mm -hmm. Tim, I got news for, good news <laughs> for you, bud. You are at a university that prides itself on that. I, I personally don't have a, a lot of opinion, I guess, on the matter. It seems like Hawkeye fans, I, I guess I don't know if Hawkeye fans were split on the matter, if there was more excitement, more like annoyance at the hire. It seems like there was a lot of people that didn't love the hire, I guess. But, I mean, it seems like that was going to be the reaction to literally any hire out there. There was going to be some sort of blowback. Well, look at this season that they had in the past, and they were going to say that this wasn't the right hire. So no matter what, I feel like there was going to be some split in the fan base about what they did or didn't like about a person. The other thing I think I was a little surprised about is that Tim Lester does not have a lot of offensive coordinator experience. No. He had two years at Syracuse where he was the OC. Outside of that, you know, a good chunk of head coaching experience at the MAC level. Um, you know, QB coach, things like that, but not a lot of OC work. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but he was calling plays for a majority of his head coaching, right? So I also talked to somebody in Kalamazoo about this. He took over play calling in 2018 when we start to see that ascension. It's been his offense through that whole time. Going into 2019, 20, 21, and 22. In 22, there was a, a new offensive coordinator as well. Play calling duties were kind of dispersed, whether it was one guy or two guys splitting it. It was always his offense, but I think he was the lone play caller only in 2018. Hmm. But it's always been his offense in the, in the RPO. Um, to your point, yeah, to, to whether or not Cade would fit in that or a guy like Marco who can move around quite a bit. Um, he actually he coached against Cade, the Michigan, that 2021 season. They oh, yeah. opened against Western Michigan. Oh, I think wow. Cade, Cade threw like 11 passes. So <laughs> I don't know how much of a look he got at Cade. Uh, I do think, though, it's very comparable to what, uh, if you want a, a Big Ten familiarity, what Mi uh, Minnesota ran when Kirk Soraka was the OC there in 2019 when they went 11-2 and two and put up a bunch of points, where Tanner Morgan, and they would almost joke about this, he, Tanner Morgan wasn't a fleet-of-foot guy. He could move a little bit and could you know, scramble if he needed to, but those RPOs were basically directed to, let's hand it off to our, uh, they were in the same boat, have a lot of stable running back position, and then you have two, NFL wide receivers to throw to and a little bit of the tight end as well. So I think it would be like that. So I think for a year, Cade could absolutely function out of that and utilize everything around there. Um, the fact that he doesn't have a lot of offensive coordinator specific experience and hasn't had it for about a decade, I'm more encouraged by the fact that he was running his own program for six years. I, as far as I could find, Kirk's made two hires in his tenure of guys who have Division I head coaching experience. First one was Ken O'Keefe, who was the head coach at Fordham for a year before he came in as the hmm. initial OC. He okay. had a great run at Allegheny College, which is a D3 school, won a national title. Ken O'Keefe was a great, great head coach for the time that he was a head coach. And then Greg Davis was the head coach at Tulane like 20 years before he got to Iowa wow. City. And I think you combine their Division I head coaching experience, and I think it's like four years there, and Lester brings in six. So I know he doesn't have offensive coordinator experience, but the only reason he doesn't have offensive coordinator experience 
is because you're a head coach at the Division One level, whether or not it's the MAC, Group of Five, whatever. He's run his own program. And I'm very interested to see what that means for the autonomy of what he gets to do with the offense, whether it is Kirk saying, hey, like, this is the offense we're going to run, or I wonder if that's part of the appeal, too, of just, hey, like, we've got guys that can catch passes, tight ends that can catch passes. Part of the appeal may be like, hey, I'm coming in. I've run my own ship. Just let me do the offense. Let me get this RPO stuff in there, and let's, let's see what we can do. And I think because I think a lot of people for a long, long time now have wanted some semblance of RPO option, mobile quarterback, any sort of that stuff. I think that that's a big reason why, aside from the fact that the offense wasn't really doing a whole lot of anything against Tennessee, when Marco comes in and starts scrambling and picking up yardage, so many people were thrilled about the, you know, he was, I think, the leading rusher or close to it for that game. Mm-hmm. But it was just because there was yeah. mobility yeah, at was. the quarterback position and <clears throat> being able to install the RPO would do a lot of that. So I do wonder if given how much experience, and as you see here, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, the numbers there and the success that he had, he had four straight seasons, 2018 through 21, until the bottom drops out in 22 when he loses Sky Moore to the NFL. Caleb Ellaby, who was a great RPO quarterback for him, another guy who could run a little bit, but would sit sit back and, and cut up the defense through the air as well. Four straight years where they were in the top 40 in both total offense and total points per game, including that COVID-shortened year in 2020, they had the 10th-ranked scoring offense in the country. So I don't understand. I The fans that are just like, who is this guy? Like, what, yeah. why is he coming in? Like, look at it. And I put those out there the day before, like, the names, or it was kind of being formally reported. And that started catching on then yesterday as the news got out. And people were like, oh, well, like, here are the numbers. I'm like, so you're mad about a guy that you didn't even know his background <laughs> because I, an article maybe got shared that said you should ride if he's hired over Kevin I, Jones. I guess it seems like um, no matter what, for the people that like the hire and for people that don't like the hire, you can cherry pick some numbers out of his mm-hmm. resume and say this is a bad hire or this is a good hire. Exactly. 2022 was rough. Not a great year. And um, his years at the, Syracuse uh, were rough is, too. Sorry, say that again, Mike. His years at Syracuse are rough, too, but he was yeah. in 2014, he was thrown in after the offense coordinator got fired after, like, the sixth game. He was the last seven games, and then... And they jumped uh, up a lot in the next season. They did, yeah. They I did will jump. also say how... T- let's go back to January 2014. What were you doing? What was your job? January 2014, <laughs> I was in... Um, I was in Cambodia. <laughs> I was on the mission field in 2013 and 14. So I was no, humble bringing yeah. in the ring in the new year in oh, a just village helping, in Cambodia. helping people and being wonderful. <laughs> Mike, what were you doing? I'm just, I'm just an angel that fell to earth. No big deal. That, that is a good point. Also, he was 14 years into his coaching career, though, because he sure. started in 20. Yeah. I was only two years into my producing career at KMT in Mason, Mason City. Mason City, yeah. So helping people. I was a weekend I mean, sports I'd, anchor in Grand Rapids. You, yeah. If you're an offense coordinator at Syracuse, before that he was the quarterbacks coach, and I believe maybe the uh, he'd been like D three level coordinator. I think he was a high school. Like that's nothing to that's nothing to uh, sneeze about. Like experience or, is experience. Yeah, it's but, experience. Uh, you know, it, the I was just talking to somebody about this not too long ago. There's a certain point where you stop putting your GPA on your resume because it's not really a great measure of what yeah. of what you are, especially if your you're in our field. So especially in you know, again, why wasn't he an OC? Well, because he's been a head coach of a program for to, six years too. To, so to it's that, all, the, all that stuff. To that point though, and you know, I don't want to be totally, we're all in because on, on the bandwagon because I'm just looking at this we as trying know. to be yeah. as, yeah. It, it really, and Kirk Farron said, I can't remember exactly when, but sometime in the last few months that he judges offensive coordinators on wins and losses. Yeah. And the Syracuse, I know that first year he was one and six 
And then the second one wasn't very good either. But then those those years where they had the good offense, their defense wasn't that good. And they I think he had a 500 career record, like 37 and 32 was his, his record in the MAC. I will say this about Western Michigan, having covered that program and being there firsthand and watching the most like the period most period successful period year period ever period in Kalamazoo at 13 and 1 winning their first MAC title in 2016 since 1988 and 13 wins in a season is I don't know if they had a double digit win season before that like it is immensely mm-hmm. nobody wins in Kalamazoo they've got good teams and they have like they have stars. They've certainly, you know, Greg Jennings and, and all those players. Matt Lafleur, as we were talking, was a, a Western Michigan Bronco, and, and guys have had success there. I don't, I don't know Matt's playing uh, resume, but it's a, t- it's tough to win there. And the fact that he won thirty seven games in six years, is probably decent. And the fact that he has one of the two ever bowl wins there, also speaks a, a little more. But yeah, the wins and losses are. People looked at that and started bringing it up, and like. If you're not Toledo or Northern Illinois, like you're tough pressed to find some. We should really mention too, losses. he got fired in his last year, and they brought in a new athletic director. What I could tell from articles, and it seems like they were frustrated after those four years after Fleck that they couldn't get back to the MAC championship game, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they wanted more. And it was ten months after they even signed an extension. That's kind of a wild yeah, thing. But it so looked like they had I, no was, idea. I was reading that that article um, from M Live, and, and Lester even shared it online. Which is like, hey, like I can't remember the reporter's name, unfortunately, but said something like, hey, always been firm and fair with me. Like I appreciate this. And he had kind of just talked, like, you know, felt pretty good about where we were and that we were going to get another shot. Kathy Beauregard is who brought him in. She's the one who brought in PJ back in December 2012 or January 13, whenever it was. Um, and he felt good that even with the AD transition that he was going to get there in a, another shot. They won their last two games in 22. And then it sounded like, I mean, not total blindside, but then was called in and told, hey, we're going to go another direction. That's how Lance Taylor ends up at, at Western. You know who their most famous alumni is at uh, Western Michigan? John Saunders was a wonderful... Uh, Terry Crews. Terry Crews also played at Western also Michigan. Also a football alumni. I go John Saunders. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am curious to ask you guys, like, as Hawkeye fans, over the last three months since we knew that Brian Ferentz was not going to be back, of all the names that have been thrown out there, who do you think would have been the, like, who would have been the hire that you guys would have wanted the most out of all the names that have kind of been bandied about over the last few months? I think it was, it was probably Paul Chris, just because I think he has, this, he has a track record of excelling offensive football the way Iowa plays mm-hmm. yeah. at Wisconsin. He had a good record there as offense coordinator and as coach before he got fired that last year. And his nephew's on staff, and again the yeah. familiarity of just the Big Ten. I think Chris was that was always yeah kind of put up there. I and I don't disagree. I think that um, I mean back in December when we had David Eichold on the show to talk about the OC search, he'd said that Paul Chris seemed like the most likely candidate when they were leading up to the bowl game, and there were rumors about whether or not he might have even gotten offered the position or not. Don't know that for sure. The, the thing I do like about hiring a guy like Tim Lester, who is a little bit more of a uh, relative unknown, is that a guy like Chris, a guy even maybe like Joe Philbin would come in, and they are they're a little bit older, been around the block a little bit longer, and maybe a little more set in their ways. I feel like Tim Lester maybe has something to prove. He's a guy who comes in and is like, he really wants to show that he can make it at the Power 5 level as an offensive coordinator, maybe turn things around at a program like Iowa that's had a bad offense the last few years. Um, so he's going to come in with maybe a little bit more motivation than some other coaches would coming in here and wanting to show that he can lead a program like this to maybe a 
CFP playoff appearance if they even get up to whatever, top 50 in the country, something like that. So not, not to say I don't really have an opinion about what was or wasn't the right hire, but um, that is, I think, the benefit of hiring somebody who is more of a relative unknown, people that, somebody that people don't know a lot about. I will say, and it's, I'm certainly not saying Tim Lester is the same person as, as Paul Christ or has the resume that Paul Christ does, but you do in a little bit comparability get a guy with head coaching experience at the Division One level who has an offense that's been productive. It's not exact, it's, I'm not even going to, it's not Paul Chris Light or anything like that, but you're getting some of the traits that you would have got with Chris, who I think, if you ask a lot of fans, going back to the end of October, getting into November, like, who's your, who's your dream candidate that seems to fit? I think a lot of them would have said Paul Christ if they if they had their pick of anybody who was kind of on the radar. Already. It was realistic. It was realistic. You know, Kalen DeBoer was, was never going to come be the offensive <laughs> yeah. coordinator at Iowa. Brian Grubb wasn't going to, yeah, stuff like that. Or, um, yeah, that's what I meant, not, but, not the coach, but, but I, Ryan I Grubb. Think, I think Lester checks some of those boxes. And, again, the fact that he is a guy who has a ton of six years' worth of Division One head coaching experience, which is more head coaching experience than any other coordinators had combined at Iowa, I do. the big question for me is, does that signal that Kirk's like, hey, you know how to steer the ship. It's your offense. Mm-hmm. Go get it. Well, and we'll see. I don't know, but I do think that's that's an interesting wrinkle that we haven't seen again since Greg Davis came in, and he was twenty years removed from his head coaching experience. Here's a guy who's a year and a half removed from it, and has spent a lot of time in now uh, an NFL shop here in the last year in Green Bay. What did you guys think of the Kevin Johns stuff? I know he was in town and he interviewed with Kirk. I think he would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's who I would have preferred, but I'm not going to be, I'm not one of the ones that, I I don't have season tickets, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm never going to go to an Iowa game again, you know, kind of deal. The vitriol, again, for, you go back two weeks ago, caucus night in America, the casual Iowa fan did not know those two names and knew nothing about them. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, and this is maybe getting like technologically, some technical psychology of seeing a picture of a guy in Iowa City with Kirk having breakfast, I think that immediately, like, well, he's here, like, okay. And then you look at his resume and people go, this is a really good resume. Like, he's had success. This, this guy brought us Dan Persa. We got to get him over here now because he was the, <laughs> the pass game coordinator for Northwestern back in those days. I, I think just seeing him in Iowa City and then seeing the resume and be like, okay, yeah, like, this is good. There, that was that excitement. And then, you know, I think the first time Tim Lester's name was publicly put out there on social media was connected to that Syracuse article and it said like boy Iowa fans are going to be happy if Tim Lester gets hired over Kevin Johns and if you hadn't seen that name before and that's your first impression of Mm -hmm. Tim Lester's a guy I need to go into the streets and (laughs) yell about if I I think that maybe started to lay the foundation of who how people were going to react to what because again when those numbers got out there of what his offenses did at Western Michigan people like oh that doesn't sound so bad at all like yeah, pretty good, especially when you have the 133rd ranked offense in the country. This mm-hmm. is a very uncredible source. And so By all means. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put it out there and see what you think. Um, <laughs> just kind of funny thing is you brought up Kevin Johns. I was like, oh, yeah, I was just going to go back and look at his res- resume again or his past. It's weird. On his Wikipedia page, his current team does say Iowa. Um, <laughs> I... I a, a weird, like, connection would be, and I don't know if this is even a possibility, but, like, we're looking for a wide receivers coach right now. Kevin Johns has a lot of experience as a wide receivers coach at Richmond, at Northwestern, at Indiana, uh, for five years at Indiana. At Texas Tech, he was a wide receivers coach as well as the OC. 
Um, I don't know if there's a possibility there that Kevin Johns would be brought in as a wide receivers coach or if that would be too much of a step down after being the OC at Duke. It's an interesting wrinkle. I think there was... That would be interesting. Th- through I, the I, noise, be, there were some people like, well, what if both of them come here? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, that, that will be... I mean, I obviously don't... I didn't know much about um, Johns until this week, but when, but then when you associate with, oh, he's been the Duke's offense coordinator the past few years, and Duke's been actually relevant in football with yeah. Riley Leonard and Riley Leonard their coach just went to Texas A&M and, and brought in uh, Klein from Kansas State. I don't know if he has another. I mean, you got to figure he could be an offense coordinator at a Group of Five team. You know, I, who knows? It's, it's late in the hiring process, but, um, but that would be, I think, a slam dunk assistant coach hire. Yeah. Absolutely. Or if he was co- quarterbacks coach and and Johns as receivers coach, I mean, I'm sure he coaches offense. He could do both, yeah. but I feel like the offense coordinator coordinator would have first pick on what position he wants to pick. Yeah, yeah coach. I'll, I'll be interested. And of course, uh, Johns was also Lester's first offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in Kalamazoo in 2017. Um, is there a, an assumption presumption that uh, Lester? We keep saying Lester. I keep thinking of. Jamie Vardy, as we talk about Lester. Um, I knew these soccer fans would appreciate that one. Um, is there a assumption that he's going to be the QB coach of this team as well? I mean, he's had obviously a lot he of He is a quarterback, coaches, so that's so. Yeah. that's the only reason I think so is that. And that's another thing again, I like the track about record the of Blau at, at Purdue and what he did with Hiller um, at Western Michigan, and I don't know what is who he was coaching exactly at, at Syracuse, but I, I know he was when he was hired in Kalamazoo, People immediately pointed to, like, look what he did with Tim Hiller. Because Tim Hiller, again, like, he built his own records, and then Tim Hiller, he built up, and Tim Hiller built them, and those things stood until, I think, Zach Terrell now owns I'd, all of them. I'd be surprised if he's not the QB coach, I guess. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's everybody's, yeah. like, assumption at this point. I would think so. We have one commenter saying that, um, and I haven't seen this, so I just want to throw it out there, um, that John's wanted more money, and that's why it didn't happen. I, I haven't seen any solid reporting on that yet, but... You never know. I don't know if we'll ever know the insiding of, of who got I, offered. I Car- will say this because I, and how much stock you put in social media comments, I don't know. Because again, pe- people can just like get on a roll of parroting whatever. I don't think Tim Lester was hot, hired because he's a yes man. I've seen that out there quite yeah. a bit. Like Tim Lester, again, ran his own program for six years. He's his own boss. And I, I think, and maybe that's part of the appeal is that. Kirk's like, okay, here's a guy who's run his own program and can steer us in the right direction, maybe push us a little bit. Right. I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's Kirk, new Kirk point, you know, 4.0 or whatever, whatever version, <laughs> whatever OS we're on uh, for, for Kirk's, but... Uh, El Capitan? You know, again, we're... you know, he, he made that move in, in 2015 to change in the way they the practice in the morning instead of the afternoon and just this whole systemic reboot in a lot of ways and I don't know if bottoming out here is okay well let's get a guy in here who's run his own ship and let let him steer us where he feels it's best and we think our we have personnel I think to your point the fact that Iowa does have a lot of good running backs yeah I mean there's five dudes that have taken snaps at least five six if you count Max White and two freshmen coming in yeah and you've got more great guys behind I, I think the idea that you could have a system that utilizes more backs, backs and tight ends. I mean, that's you, you can have a lot of success there. So 
again, we're, we're speculating it's January 29th. We're not going to, this still hasn't been formally announced by the school. <laughs> That's a good point. And uh, <laughs> we really don't know yet. But we, uh, so we've got this Coach Tube video up uh, from Lester. There's a, I think it's like 15 bucks you can buy. There's a couple free clips. This like is a class like a that he teaches on his RPO offense. Yeah, and you said this is from September 2022. Yeah. So this is, uh, this would have been from 21 uh, against Central Central Michigan, Battle for the Victory Cannon. It's a fun game. Um, and that's Caleb Ellaby, who is the, the quarterback here again. Caleb, Caleb could run around. Caleb was a fun quarterback to watch in this, in this offense as a, as a guy who appreciates some action. But you'll see th- his entire breakdown on this video here, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, is never with Caleb having an option to run. It's either he's handing yeah. off to the running back, who I don't know if that's Ladarius Jefferson or, or who it might be there, um, either handing off or going to, number one, I believe, is Sky Moore, who... It's either Skymore or Dwayne Eskridge. I think it's Skymore because he, he houses this. It wow. could be Dwayne Eskridge. <laughs> oh, okay. If it's 21, it might be Eskridge because Dwayne Eskridge was an incredible player in that offense too. But it's a sh- short little curl, but there's never an option for Caleb to run. It's We're either going to hand, hand it off or we're going to throw that. And then, again, I'm pretty sure that's Dwayne Eskridge. I should have done my research uh, there. But. While you look it up, the one thing I like about these kind of offenses is it just you, you always hear every year how difficult Iowa's offense from – is to learn, and it takes quarterbacks a couple years to learn the system. That's Eskridge, yeah. This is just, you're usually, and there's more, It's I'm simplifying it now, but you're reading one person. And based off that one person, you make a decision. So, like, that just could make it so much simpler for, you know, your younger players to get it so they could come in and, and perform. I, I just, and I don't know if it's because we were a generation who grew up playing NCAA, I think we're finally going to get a new one this year where read options and stuff like that were so prevalent that this is, and, and then again, in reality, seeing it have so much success, it's such a simple thing to install. And if you run it right, it is really tough to stop and it utilizes so many different guys. And if you have a Dwayne Eskridge or a Sky Moore, or in Iowa's case, you know, a, a speedy guy like, you know, Seth, I mean, they've utilized him in, using those sweeps and reverses, and he likes doing those. You get a guy who can just be in space and come off this read-pass option and is given the ability to make some plays. It, it's enticing. It's exciting. And if, if Kirk makes the decision of, hey, like, Tim, this is, this is your offense. Go run it the way you want. I mean, there's opportunity. And you got more guys coming in, too, of course, in the, in the recruiting class. Did anybody know what Coach 2 was before this morning? I'd never heard of this website until now. Coach 2. I, <laughs> I did not. And I'll, I'll link this, and I'll put this on the web after this is all, after we're done with this, and, and you guys can go. And if you want to pay the fourteen ninety nine to watch the full stuff, <laughs> I love this stuff. I don't matter who the coach like is. It, if yeah. it's a, pre- a coach, I feel like fans and, and us in general who cover the game from the sideline, we don't know. We know like 1% of, you know, maybe if that. It's just so intricate football, and there's so many different pieces that when one coach just goes and talks about their philosophy, it just has me fascinated. I, I think I said this the last time that we were talking about um, the hires, maybe in, in early January after the bowl game when we were kind of doing a recap of the season. But I, I do really like, and I, I do think that there is a little bit of a change coming, you know, as we talk about the, the updated version, you know, as we go to Kirk Leopard. Um, then I think there's maybe a, a somewhat of a change ahead. Not a drastic change as far as like a head coach, but just him allowing some change within his program. As much as he talks about not changing things, he's got an assistant head coach, which he's never had before. And I think that he, after seeing what the offense 
did not do over the last few years, I think, is willing to maybe concede, like, I hand over a little bit more of the playbook responsibilities to somebody yeah. else, and that's what I think we might get out of Lester. And even though your associate head coach is the linebacker's coach, he was a wide receiver. He's got a little... Oh, really? I didn't know that. At Co. yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, maybe this is the question we wrap, wrap up on. Again, it's January 29th. We're not going to see this offense for the first time until... I'm guessing April 13th or 20th, whenever the spring scrimmage ends up being, one of those Saturdays. And Cade's not going to be ready. And Cade won't be ready, so it's it's going to be Deacon and Marco, I'm guessing, running the majority of stuff. If Deacon comes out there and starts, oh man, Hawkeye Nation, get ready. Anyway. It's, it's a scrimmage. It's okay. Um, <laughs> what to you on January 29th would be, in your mind, a successful jump for this offense in terms of the rankings again 133rd in the nation last in total offense I believe they were like 125th in points per game what to you is a jump that shows some that you would say like okay like there's progress and it wouldn't be considered a disappointment I mean there literally in many cases is nowhere to go but up what what to you is they have to get into the top what to be successful or can to feel like there's progress being made in 24. That's the best part for, for Tim Lester. The bar is low. <laughs> um, I mean, I would even say 85. If you get an 85 top and the defense still, I mean, yeah, I expect hey. the defense to still be good next year, if not great. If you have an 85th ranked offense, how many points is that per game? I don't have it up right now. So here, here's my take. Get in the top 100. Yeah. The top 100 would mean, I believe, another 110 yards a game which would get you to like 340, and it would be like nine, and a, nine, nine and a half more points a game, which would take you from where they were to, I think, like basically averaging 24 a game. Not quite 25. We've talked enough about 25. But if you can <laughs> tell me that you're in the top 100, which again, like 99th, 98th doesn't sound great, but coming from where you are and with, you know, that's another long touchdown drive and a decent field goal drive. We've talked for a year now. Like it doesn't take a lot, but if you can do that and show that market improvement, it's it's insanity to me that I actually can't remember this right now. But what was the number they were was twenty four or twenty five? That twenty five. It was twenty five. Okay. Wins, 25 I think that that kind of is at least the ideal number right now that like should be kind of the low hurdle to clear. If they scored twenty five points a game this last year, that would have put them at eighty first in the nation, right mm -hmm. behind Wyoming and right ahead of Northern Illinois. Um, and, and I think that that would be a reasonable enough bar to clear where it's like, give us two to three touchdowns a game. We'll hit a field goal or two. Maybe the defense will provide a touchdown here and there. But as long as you get us maybe three touchdowns a game out of this offense, then that's good enough for the rest of this team to take it from there. It, it's not going to take a lot. You know, again, we the, the numbers are what they are. But anybody who watched the game saw a lot of it was missed opportunities. You know, talk about the Lions last night against the 49ers and whether or not the fourth down calls or what, you know, cost the Lions the game or the execute. We hear so much about execution and it's a drop pass here, a drop pass there, whatever it may be. Like, Iowa had opportunities to move the ball in some circumstances with offense last year and just, you know, whether it's the offensive line continuing to grow or some drop passes, the attrition of the injuries, everything like that, like, you talk about 100 yards, and yeah, that's it'd be 30% more productivity in terms of yards per game, or I think more than that. I'm probably doing the math wrong, probably closer to 50. Like, it doesn't take a lot to make some 
some big strides. And so that's why I'm like, if you get in the top 100, you've jumped up 30 plus spots and you've significantly improved your offense to a point where, again, like everyone was talking about, if they just had a little bit of offense, that little bit could go a long way. It's not just the 100 yards. 100 yards is a couple more first downs. Yeah. It's yeah. time of possession. And that's the complimentary football Kirk always preaches about like Iowa did not play complimentary football this year. Their defense and special teams were hindered by the offense. If they can jump into that 180th, it, we're not asked for a lot. Like that will drastically improve this team. But that's a big if if the defense plays at that elite level, which at some point it's going to drop off. I don't know if it's this year. I, I expected it to happen this year because I was like, there's no way they repeat 2022. 2023 was great. So, I mean, I, you cannot expect them to keep playing that way at that level, you know? So the offense has to come closer to that yeah. defensive level just so the team stays the same, you know, or improves. So 234 yards a game was their average just last year. If mm -hmm. they went up 100 yards a game, that would put them right around this last year. That would have been 101st in the country. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I think I saw 99th was like 110 yards more or something. Like yeah, that. yep, so... Yeah, doable, like, doable objectives if you're a new offensive coordinator coming into this team. We'll, uh, we'll see what everything looks like. Again, uh, <laughs> hasn't been announced. I'm sure we were talking. I assume there will be a press conference just because it is a, a fairly significant hire. What? I would imagine it would come shortly after the announcement, but I don't know. What would be the most Kirk Ferentz ever not have a press conference or flip and hire someone else <laughs> after the after we talk about it? Uh, I, man, there was again like getting in the comments and seeing people react in just super level-headed, rational ways of just like, I bet he had already hired Tim Lester and he just brought in Kevin Johns to like troll the fans. Like, yep, not nope, totally <laughs> right. That's exactly what happened. Classic Kirk move. The, the, the worst part if, about it is we'll never Kirk, know. I don't know if Kirk knows the meaning of the word troll in the internet era. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, that was a wild theory. But listen, we don't know a whole lot yet. We know it's Tim Lester, it sounds like. And uh, we'll go from there. We've got a few months to... They get everything in line and, and see what this offense does again coming into to April. So we'll keep you up to date on everything. Hopefully talk to you soon once everything's announced and maybe get our first chance to talk to Tim ourselves. But you can follow Eye on the Hawks on Twitter, at Eye on the Hawks, and, of course, the Iowa's News Now YouTube channel and Instagram. Plenty of clips there, all this stuff. Again, the visuals out there, you can get your uh, look at Tim Lester's Coach Tube uh, walkthrough there. We'll link to that and everything as well. But, yeah, until we... Get official word that Tim Lester's coming to Iowa City. We'll we'll leave it at that. For Mike and Owen, I'm Mitch. We'll talk offense hopefully sometime soon here again on Eye on the Hawks.